Hello, brothers and sisters across the world, and welcome to the Book of Boredom with me, Brother Paul, and my eternal concubine, Sister Patience. How are you doing there, Sister Patience? Oh, I'm living the dream, Brother Paul. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I needed a break. <laughs> big day work. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Really big. We only need about a million followers paying like a dollar a month so that we can do this full time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get there. I'm hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> we need to encourage people to pay us 10% of their wages instead of the church. That's right. If they're prepared to pay that much for not being entertained. Exactly. We must at least do as well as what they get by sitting through church, surely. I read an article today that said that the Mormon church made a profit of $6 billion last year. Yeah, I saw that article that you posted. Oh, yeah, that's right. I posted it on the page, yeah. Yeah, you did. And I had a look at it and had a little read. It was pretty short. I was almost going to reply and say, well, what is this fund for? Because I would assume that they would have a committee looking after it. And Okay, so all up, they've got, I think it's about $300 billion worth of assets and stocks and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they've got quite a lot. And their argument is apparently they are saving it for when Jesus comes back. Saving it for when Jesus comes? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, you know, because Jesus is going to need some cash to set up his hood, you know, like he's got to <laughs> pimp the world out, you know, set up his own little crib, uh, you know, and he, he, this takes money. These things aren't cheap. It's just so retarded. They could end world hunger, but Jesus is going to need like a golden toilet in every room. And <sighs> Oh, my God. Hang on a second. I'm going to give Jedi a bone so that he leaves Louie alone and then hopefully they'll give me some silence. Sure. There we go. There's a happy dog. <laughs> That's the problem when you have a big dog and a small dog. Jedi's jaws are so big and strong it's like three or four chomps and it's gone. Aw, too quick. <laughs> yeah, but then Louie likes to kind of chew on it for a while and enjoy it and, you know, once Jedi's finished his, he's like, I want that one. Aww. He has one and I don't have one. <laughs> Dogs. Dogs are the best humans, Paul. I know, I know. I, I am really at a stage in my life where I enjoy hanging out with my dogs more than most people. Yeah, that just means that you're getting older and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, how's your week been, by the way, Paul? Yeah, good. Busy. But, um, yeah, I've, I've done over a thousand Ks in my new car already and I haven't what? even had it a week. So, yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's how much travel I do. You are a busy guy. You're a travelling guy. I am. Gives me a chance to listen to some music and podcasts and everything like that. So That's always good. I like that. With my work at the moment, I don't sort of have a natural spot to listen to the podcasts that I used to listen to and I'm kind of falling behind and that doesn't make me happy because I think that was part of my relaxation process. For me, most of what I listen to are science podcasts. So they're not something that you can kind of listen to in the background while doing other stuff, you know, the things that you need to focus on wholly or, or you miss it. So, yeah, when I'm in the office doing data entry, I've got to listen to music and not podcasts because I can only sort of do one or the other. Yeah, exactly. But when I'm out in the car, it's easy, you know, hit the highway, hit cruise control, turn on some uh, podcast stuff and listen to it all. It's good. It's awesome. What's your favourite science podcast? Okay, there's two I love. There's one, The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Oh, that sounds good. I've, I've never heard of that. Without wanting to sound too religious or Mormon again, like, it changed <laughs> your life. It is, it is fucking good. It's all about critical thinking and rational thought. And, you know, they put a book out a couple of years ago that I got. And I'm like, forget the Bible and the scriptures. Everybody needs to fucking read this. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if, if everybody read it, there'd be a lot less stupid people. Uh-huh. 
And the other one is I, I love me some Neil deGrasse Tyson as well. I don't know if you've heard any of his stuff, but... Uh, I know of him and I've seen interviews with him. He's great. Awesome scientist, yeah. He's got a podcast called Star Talk, which I uh, yeah, absolutely love. Give me some science, man. <laughs> Need the science. Yeah, definitely. So I want to start on an interesting topic tonight. I would like to talk about my flaming sword, if I may. What's your flaming sword? It's not some sort of STI, is it? No, well, I had it checked by a doctor and apparently everything's fine. Well, that's good. But anyway, I was thinking yet yesterday was Valentine's Day, okay? The, oh. the day of love. I don't know if you and your lovely partner did anything at all or don't care about that sort of uh, shit, but, you know, <laughs> it's the day of love. Everybody has their Valentine's thing. I trapped myself to pizza and beer. I saw that. Yep, yep. So, and then I sat down with my dogs and watched some TV. I had a wonderful time. It was a very unhealthy-looking pizza, and I guess you really deserve it at least once a year. Well, see, it's funny. I was out of town yesterday and while driving back I thought you know what I would really love to go to a restaurant and treat myself to a nice steak and chips for dinner <laughs> Yeah. then I remembered it was Valentine's Day and I was like no the restaurants are going to be booked out by couples doing the lovey-dovey shit I don't want that so oh, I ordered yeah. a pizza and I drank myself into oblivion as any healthy adult single male would do well done, Paul. So you were just practising for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So anyways, it got me thinking. It's a topic we haven't touched on yet, but when people hear about Mormons, a lot of people's first thoughts goes to the old polygamy topic. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, that old chestnut. You know, it's always there. But well, let's start this week's show by addressing that because it, it's something that a lot of people mention in regards to the church. You know, we've seen shows like Big Love and Sister Wives and documentaries, you know, all about the polygamy thing and how it started, where it came from. So I thought, well, since we're in a romantic mood this evening, everybody's talking about the loves of their lives. Let's talk about the multiple wives of the early leaders of the Mormon church. <laughs> Can you feel the love tonight, Paul? Oh, mate, there was so much love going on back then. I'm, I don't know how Joseph Smith had time to make up these stories, quite frankly. <laughs> Tell us all about it. Okay, so, as I said, if you've heard about the Mormon church, you've probably heard about polygamy. I know when I was growing up in the church, it was one of the first things people asked me about. Uh, when I was in the church and I was married at the time, you know, people would always ask me, so how many wives do you have? And how many wives did you have in the end so far in your life? <laughs> Well, only, only one at a time. Only and, one and what, at a time. And what I've learned is I can't even keep one woman happy. So I don't know how they can keep multiple women happy. I mean, I, it baffles me completely, you know, like... This is what gets me about polyamory. I love the idea of polyamory. Like, hey, if you can make it work for you and, you know, you can be ethical about it, you know, upfront about all the people you're dating with all the people that you're dating and everyone's okay, great, you do you. The thing is, yeah. I just think that... For most people, it's just really difficult to get around all your friends, let alone all your lovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, see, so I'm open to polyamory in that, you know, it's like the duties are shared. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. your partner has another partner and you have another partner. It's like you don't have to do all the work yourself. I yeah. like the sound of that. Yeah. I have no issue with how people live their lives. Consenting adults... Whatever it is you want to do, as long as it's legal and consensual, have at it. You want to be monogamous, you want to have multiple partners, you want to share partners. I don't give a fuck. Do it. You know, it's all good. Yeah. But I'll, I'll describe why I have issues with the Mormon church's stance on this a, a little later on as, a, as I tell the story. We've already talked about jo how Joseph Smith was a little bit dodgy. A little bit slippery. Was convicted of a, of a few crimes and being a fraud and a charlatan and all that. Anyway. <laughs> the church only ever really talks about his wife, Emma. 
okay? Oh. It was his first wife. He was by his side. She was a scribe while he translated the book. She was with him through everything. She oh. gave birth to his kids. And so they always make a big deal out of Emma and what a wonderful woman she was and how she stood by him. She must have been so long-suffering to put up with that asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing is what the church doesn't talk about is the other 30-odd wives that, that he had. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. No, no. Well, so, so they're not quite sure how many wives he had in total. It's anywhere from 28 to 44, basically, depending on which record you go from. Oh, God. And so there was a thing written about Joseph Smith and his 44 wives, and the Mormon apologist's response to that was, this is a fake article. They're not reporting the facts. He only had 28. <laughs> As if that makes everything okay. You know, oh, 44, that's a bit excessive, but 28, that is an acceptable number. Someone needed to tell Joseph Smith that he doesn't need to collect them all. They're not Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the scary thing is how, how apt that analogy is. Oh but anyway, God. so uh, the official Mormon story is that at the time in the church, there were a lot of widows and a lot of women who didn't have men because there was more women than men in the church. And so some of the higher-up brethren married two or three wives purely from a spiritual and financial support point of view. Did they fuck them? Yes! But the church won't tell you that, so... So that was the official church stance, okay? There are many in the church who believe, although I don't know why, that Joseph Smith never practiced it. It was Brigham Young that introduced it. But the record is there. Joseph Smith had a lot of wives, okay? Okay. Brigham Young was Joseph Smith's successor. Oh. A horrible arsehole of a man. There's another... Mormon scripture called the Doctrine and Covenants, okay, which was basically the scriptures that Joseph wrote in his time. So it was basically all about that period of time and the so-called prophecies and everything he had, okay? So what's the difference between that and the Book of Mormon? The Book of Mormon is set in, you know, 600 BC, okay, ancient American times. The Doctrine and Covenants oh. is contemporary to Joseph Smith. Does he still talk okay. in ye olde English? Yes, surprisingly. It's all still in ye olde English. <laughs> and And... Considering we only get through about a chapter of this bullshit a day, in about 20 years' time when we finish the Book of Mormon, we can move on to the Doctrine and Covenants. Oh, do you promise? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be doing this for, for a long, long time. <laughs> so in the Doctrine and Covenants, which was all the prophecies that Joseph Smith received, he taught about this thing called celestial marriage. I don't want to talk about the Mormon heaven too much, but <laughs> Mormon heaven is basically called the celestial kingdom. Oh. Okay. Basically got different levels of heaven that you go to depending on how good you are, okay? Oh. So there's the celestial kingdom, which is the bottom one, the terrestrial kingdom, which is the middle, and then the celestial kingdom for the best people. Right. Incidentally, I'm going to a place called our darkness, which is the worst hell possible because I'm a terrible human being, according to Mormon doctrine. I wish I could join you, Paul, but apparently that's not possible for a non-Mormon. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You have to be a Mormon first, and then you have to deny the church in order to gain that ticket, I'm afraid. But when I'm there, I'll send for you, okay? Just, okay. Uh, Cool. I won't be too far away. <laughs> Mormons believe that the family unit goes on forever, okay? <sighs> so a husband and wife get married. They're not just sealed or married for, till death do us part. They're married for eternity, and they're with their children for eternity and their children's children. I don't know how far this fucking goes. <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of people who, you know, were like, I have to be with these motherfuckers forever. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, you can't choose your yeah. family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forever as this eternal unit together, which I guess it gives a lot of people hope, you know, they love their family and they like the idea of being with their family forever and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. so that's what celestial marriage is, okay? All right. 
Well, what the church these days glazes over is that Joseph Smith taught the celestial marriage was also polygamy. Mm. And polygamy in the Mormon churches, of course, it's not like polyamory where everybody can share partners. You can have a spouse and a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. Polygamy is strictly one man and multiple wives. That's a bit unfair, Joseph. You know, the ladies might like to fuck a few studs as well. Hey, 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 hey. This is a sexist religion, okay? Don't bring the women into this. It's all what the men say, all right? (laughs) I thought we'd established that long ago, okay? (laughs) So that was polygamy, okay? And although it's not officially taught now by the church, what Joseph Smith said very plainly is you don't get into the highest degree of heaven unless you're in a polygamous marriage. That is the mm. celestial marriage. So a lot of Mormons kind of glaze over it now. I'm like, oh, we don't have to worry about that till we get to heaven. Everything's fine. <laughs> and so he even came up with this revelation on it, which is in the Doctrine and Covenants, as I spoke about, which is the revelation where the Lord has chosen certain men to have multiple wives. Oh, I bet he wrote that down. Oh, he's bringing fiction into reality for himself. What? Well, 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 no, see, see, Joseph didn't want to do it. He didn't want to have multiple wives. He really didn't. Oh, he didn't want to do it. He protested so much. And that's where the flaming sword comes into it. You see, Joseph Smith didn't want to do it so badly that God sent an angel down to Joseph Smith with a flaming sword. (laughs) And the angel with the flaming sword said to Joseph Smith, if you do not do this, you will be destroyed. Oh my God, that's so ridiculous. So this angel gave him a flaming member that could not be quenched by one woman. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So yeah, his hands were tied. You know, Joseph had to go to his wife and say, look, 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 babe, I've got to marry other women or, or this angel with the lightsaber is going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was his way, and so that was the official story. So the, yeah, the official standpoint from the Mormons is certain higher up brethren had multiple wives because there was a lot of widows. There was more women than men, and they all needed to be cared for. But the reality is, at the time, there was just as many men as women, so there was no reason why it couldn't be monogamous marriages. There was plenty of men to go around. Okay. Yeah, there usually is, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the, the other thing the Mormons glaze over is it was just a spiritual and financial support thing. It was never consummated. It was fucking consummated. They were fucking like rabbits, okay? <laughs> of course they were. The way it started was Joseph Smith was caught out in a barn with a young girl who was 16 years old, okay? Oh, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, I know. He liked the young ones. He would have been, I don't know, 22, 23 by this point, the church had started. And lo and behold, a day or two later, he's receiving a revelation about polygamy. Oh. Or plural marriage, as they called it. He was like, no, God told me to. And then when I said, no, I didn't want to, he sent this angel with the flaming sword and my hands were tied. <laughs> so He wishes his hands were tied. Oh, what yeah. a kinky man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, 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 whatever your kink is. Again, consensual <laughs> adults in closed doors. So he brought this in. He lost some friends over it, and, the, and he and the church were widely condemned for it. But he brought it in. He taught that it was an eternal principle. It was God's way. Everybody had to participate in this thing. So he convinced his wife. He convinced a couple of his mates then. He's like, hey, guys, I've convinced my wife that I can fuck other women. Do you want in on this? (laughs) And so basically all of the leaders of the church had these multiple wives. They had sex with all of them. I'll share some, some links in the show notes to some books about it. But these poor women, you know, we joke about it now, but they really had things pretty bad. I bet. Because they weren't allowed to be with anybody else. They had to be just with these men that married them. Many of them had their babies aborted. Very ironic now because the church speaks out against abortion. 
But, yes, any Mormon still listening, Joseph Smith ordered women to have abortions. In a place in Nauvoo where they lived, there was a doctor sitting across the road from their temple where they performed abortions. But it doesn't just stop there, okay? He didn't just pick the single girls or whatever. He then started looking at some of his friends' wives and thinking, I wouldn't mind hitting that. Mm. And so what he would do is he wanted to spread the gospel across the world, right? Right. So he sent a lot of men to places like England to go and preach the gospel. Mm. And then while they were away, he took care of their wives, if you know what I mean. In the biblical sense. Yes, he knew them in the biblical sense. (laughs) Yeah, he'd send these husbands away. And then you go to these women and be like, you know, if you want to make it to the highest degree of heaven, God says you have to marry me. Even though they were married to somebody else, you'll be my, they called it polyandry. You'll be my polyandrous wife. You know, he would use that angle to pressure these women into sleeping with him and doing things with him while their husbands were away under the guise of, I'm the prophet. If you do this with me and be my wife, you can make it all the way to the top of heaven. Whereas if you're just with your husband, you can't, you know, again, angel, flaming sword. Not my decision. But, Paul, you said at the beginning that he only promoted polygamy with one man and multiple women, but really what he's talking there is more of a going both ways sort of thing. It's almost as if he was a sexual predator. Uh, You know, like send husbands away, fuck their wives while they're gone. So, yes, the record's anywhere from about 32 to 44 wives, depending on on the record you read. Um, He did have children with many of them. He definitely had sex with all of them. And it was just a real sordid, just really sick thing. His youngest wife was 14, by the way. Oh, Jesus Christ. And at least half of his wives were married to other men at the time. A lot of debauchery going on here. The Mormons kind of glaze over this. Some of them are in out-and-out denial. Some of them are like, oh, it happened, but we're not doing it now. Others are like, okay, it will be the thing that we do in heaven, but we don't have to worry about it till then. Some of them were like, it was just a spiritual and physical care thing. There wasn't any sex involved. So they kind of glaze over it, but it was a fundamental part of Mormon doctrine, according to Joseph Smith. The only way to get into the, the highest part of heaven is you've got to do this polygamy thing. So this was actually one of the final straws for me in getting out of the church. Oh, okay. Well, back in, it was about 2008, there was a thing in the US where they were trying to push for the, the marriage equality bill. Okay, so make same-sex marriage legal and all that, all that sort of stuff. Sure, yeah. And the church opposed it and even put millions and millions of dollars into advertising to keep same-sex marriage illegal. And there were even members of the church who would mortgage their houses or give their entire life save- savings to the cause. Oh, Jesus. It was around the time I was getting out of the church, and I was like, hang on a second. This is a church that claims that they were persecuted and driven from state to state because they didn't follow the traditional concept of marriage. Yeah. The main reason why Joseph Smith had so much shit against him, there were mobs making them leave cities and states. It wasn't because of the doctrine of the church they were teaching so much. It was because they were fucking and taking all these women and mistreating them and i was like so here's a church that claims persecution claims that marriage is between one man and one woman and that's it when it's a fundamental point of their doctrine in their own words the most important human being since jesus taught you cannot get into heaven unless it's a man marries multiple women for me that was just like hang on you're you're here discriminating against same-sex marriage and saying that marriage is one man and one woman when it is fundamentally against your doctrine that it's marriage is between one man and one woman (laughs) yeah 
isn't that ironic? Yeah. Yes, that's weird. When, when I first left the church, I thought, no, nah, I'll just leave and walk away and won't have anything to do with it. But when I heard about this happening, I don't want anyone to think that I am in any ways involved with this. So, so I, I resigned my membership and I said, take me off your records. That's the way. That was what ground my gears. So anyway, that is my Valentine's story today. I have some questions. The first is, you said Joseph Smith ordered some of his wives or whoever they were to have abortions. Why was he so scared of them having kids? Well, a lot of them were married to other men who were on missions. Oh. It's very similar, actually, if you remember the story of King David in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah, I was about to get to that. There's, there's some parallels yeah, yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very similar to that. He knocked up another man's wife Yeah. and then, you know, tried to cover it up. You know, first of all, he was like, uh, I'm going to call your husband back from war, then you're going to have sex with him, and he'll think that it's his. Yep. Um, that didn't work out because the husband was like, no, I'm not leaving my army. So then he was like, okay, I'm going to send him to the worst battlefield and hope that he gets killed. <laughs> um, yeah, so all of this was going on. So, yeah, officially the only children you hear about Joseph Smith having are the ones he had with Emma Smith, his first wife. Right. He knocked up several other women. I'll post links to books written about it by the women themselves. Women who were married to Joseph Smith made accounts of what happened and talked about it and what a horrible experience it was. Funnily enough, years after Joseph Smith died, Emma Smith left the church and went elsewhere. But her sons heard these stories about their father, so they went back to Utah to meet the mainstream church and ask them about it because their mother had said, no, he was only married to me. But they were given like a testimony of several women who all signed it to say that they married Joseph Smith oh, and, and had sex with him. So, you know... <laughs> There was no denial in the end. But, but but good news is when he died, the women were taken care of. Some of the other men married them after that. So, oh, yeah. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody that has a partner. <laughs> Even when I had a partner, I didn't really care about it. And maybe that's why I don't have a partner now. I don't know. Yeah, we did nothing for Valentine's Day. It was awesome. Yep, that's the way to be. So, so anyway, that's, that, that's the preamble. That's the ramp. How about we get into the book? <laughs> sounds good or sounds bad, but it sounds funny, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So we're on to First Nephi, Chapter 3. Can you give me a neffy? Neffy! For those at home, I am enjoying a nice glass of Pinot Gris. Ooh. With French-sounding wines, as it doesn't matter if it's a $2 bottle or a $2,000 bottle. You just say the word Pinot Gris, it sounds classy. Well, it does sound pretty classy. Does it taste good? It is quite good, yes. Now, this is from, I think, last week I mentioned I ordered a bulk uh, 12 bottles of wine uh, from a certain company specifically for this show. So this is the second bottle now. I'm not drinking them any other times uh, other than the show. Is each bottle different from the company? Yeah. Okay, so you've got a selection. You've got like a, a variety pack. <laughs> yeah, yes, i got a mixed bag. Awesome. So, yes, I'm enjoying a Pinot Gris this evening and I thoroughly recommend. The readingeth of the thirdeth chaptereth of this book. That's right. So, because it's time for bedtime stories. It is, it is. So I'm going to have a sip on my Pinot Gris and you are going to start reading. Let's see where this takes us. First Nephi, chapter 3. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, returned from speaking with the Lord to the tent of my father. And it came to pass that he spake unto me, saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream, in the which the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brethren shall return to Jerusalem. Wow. Did you hear that? In the which 
the Lord hath commanded me. What kind of a phrase is that? Is that even correct, Old English? That doesn't sound right. It's almost as if someone was just stringing King James Bible-sounding words together. I mean, unless he actually was inside the witch at the time. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Oh, uh, there's no other mention of witches anywhere, though, so yeah, I'm not sure about that. Maybe he's referring to Emma. Uh, maybe, maybe. Poor lady, I feel for her. Anyway. Wrong witch, anyway. Verse 3. For behold, Laban hath the record of the Jews, and also a genealogy of my forefathers, and they are engraven upon plates of brass. Again with the metal plates. Oh my God. Wherefore the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brothers should go unto the house of Laban and seek the records and bring them down hither into the wilderness. And now, behold, thy brothers murmur saying, It is a hard thing which I have required of them. But behold, I have not required it of them, but it is a commandment of the Lord. It's kind of a classic abusive ploy, really, isn't it? It's like, hey, I'm not telling you to do this. God's telling you to do this, you know? You don't want to incur his wrath. And what exactly is this hard thing the Lord has commanded of them? I hope it's not something that resides in their pants. All he said to him is, hey, oh, do you mind ducking back to Jerusalem and asking this guy Laban if he, if he can give us our books? Books, hey? Okay. The plates of brass, I guess, basically were books. They were a record of his history. I mean, it's not that hard. And apparently in the last chapter, they were complaining about leaving Jerusalem in the first place. Laman and Lemuel were clearly like the original millennials, you know, just you know, always complaining. First you wanted us to leave, now you want us to go back. Which one is it? This isn't the avocado toast I ordered, you know. Can I get fuel for my donkey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of that, all of that. So, anyways. Alrighty. Therefore, go, my son, and thou shalt be favoured of the Lord, because thou hast not murmured. Oh, that's nice. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto my father, Go fuck yourself. Oh, no, no, he didn't say that. He said, I like your version better, by the way, but read his. <laughs> I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. Oh my God. He was clearly making this up on the spot. It's so poorly written. I can't. It's so shit. But what a goody, goody two-shoes Nephi was. He's like, I will do whatever you say. I'll be good. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass... That when my father had heard these words, he was exceedingly glad, for he knew that I had been blessed of the Lord. And I, Nephi, and my brethren took our journey in the wilderness with our tents to go up to the land of Jerusalem. And it came to pass that when we had gone up to the land of Jerusalem, I and my brethren did consult one with another. Jerusalem is not a land of... It's a city. Someone who's never been there and knows nothing about it calls it a land. That does sound like Joseph Smith. Yeah, exactly. All he knows about Jerusalem is what the Bible says. Never been there, never seen it. He's just like, the Bible says there's this place called Jerusalem, so let's just mention that. And we cast lots who of us should go into... Hang on, I read that wrong because it's so poorly written. And we cast... No, you, you read it correct. It's just poorly written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I did the patience autocorrect. I should just go with that in the future and just rewrite it as I talk. Translated by Joseph Smith, retranslated by patience in 2021. <laughs> and we cast lots who of us should go in unto the house of Laban. Oh my God, why was that so difficult to read? And it came to pass that the lot fell upon Laman. Semicolon. And Laman went in unto the house of Laban. So he went into his own. Oh, no, Laban. No, Laman, Laban. Different people. Oh, my God. He's not very creative, is he? No, no. So Laman is the older son of Lehi oh. and the older older brother of Nephi. Laban is the dude in Jerusalem who has the uh, records that they're trying to get. Right. And he talked with him as he sat in his house. Brilliant. Again, what what gets me here is he says, and they did go in unto the house. Again, now he's chiseling this on gold plates as we were talking about. <laughs> tink, 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 right arm getting really, really fucking buff. And he says, we did go in unto. He could have just said, we went in. And he went into the house. <laughs> less words, less chiseling, you know. If there's any listeners out there that would like to do some art of what Nephi might look like after all of this chiseling, please do that. I'd, I'd be interested to see it. Yeah, he was pretty much just a right arm just <laughs> with like a body attached to it, you know. Like... The right arm was like Popeye and the other arm was like Popeye without spinach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking it was like a tree trunk was his arm and then there was a small little branch that was his body kind of sitting <laughs> to the side. He's all hammer. Yes. But Jerusalem arm wrestling champion, 6000 BC and 599 BC back-to-back title. <laughs> if only he'd stuck around, he probably could have competed in the first Olympic Games. I know. He shouldn't have gone to America. He should have gone to Greece and chased his dream. That's it. He was chasing the wrong god. Yeah. Laman went into the house of Laban. Oh, my God, that's so dumb. And he desired of Laban. Ooh, he desired of Laban. The records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, which contained the genealogy of my father. Ah, they fucking love their genealogy so fucking much. They need to know where they came from. That was another thing I was going to say earlier. We don't even need stories of the supposed wives of Joseph Smith because now we have DNA. We should be able to dig up Joseph Smith's body, get a DNA sample, and then just see who's related to him, see how many kids he had. You don't need to dig him up because there are direct descendants already around anyway. Well, there you go. Once everyone's on 23andMe, it'll prove its point just like that. I think I mentioned this briefly in episode one, and I'll get back into it another time, but DNA and the Book of Mormon record are not friends. No, no. Mm. In more than one way. Don't talk about DNA to Mormons. They don't want to know about the DNA. Ooh, they don't like it. What about for genealogy tracing? Do they like it for that? Well, yeah, they love the genealogy tracing. Yeah, they'd be all over that shit, wouldn't they? Because they baptise for the dead. They need to know all about the genealogy. But it only counts when baptising people. It doesn't count when you look at the ancestry of the Native Americans. Oh. You know, DNA is out of the out of the equation then, you know? Right, I see. And doesn't the Mormon church own Ancestry.com? They do. That is theirs. Yeah. And actually, I shared a meme about that on Valentine's yesterday on our Facebook page. Incidentally, everybody, if you're listening and you want to be our fan, join our Facebook page, Book of Boredom. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was this, this picture of this, this guy and this girl with T-shirts saying, we met on Ancestry.com. I remember that. <laughs> I go marry my cousin. Dirk, dirk, they took out dogs. They took out dogs. 
And behold, it came to pass that Laban was angry and thrust him out from his pants. (laughs) Presents. Presents. And he would not that he should have the records. Wherefore, he said unto him, Behold, thou art a robber and I will slay thee. You go, girl, you slay. Again, very wordy sentence. He could have just said, (laughs) Laban wasn't happy and said that he'll kill Laman if he doesn't go away. Much shorter, less chinking on the plates. Me, if I take note. But Laman fled out of his presence and told the things which Laban had done unto us. And we began to be exceedingly sorrowful. (laughs) And my brethren were about to return unto my father in the wilderness. But behold, I said unto them that as the Lord liveth, and as we live, we will not go down unto our father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord hath commanded us. Again, goody two-shoes. Wherefore, let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Therefore, let us go down to the land. Let us go down, I think, is the name of a porno, but (laughs) don't think that's quite what they're talking about here. That's the way to praise Jesus. No flaming on his sword, I tell you that. It's all clean. Such a strong sword. Where did I get up to? Jesus. Jesus Christ! Yeah, Jesus Christ and his sword. Verse 16, I think you were. Wherefore, let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Therefore, let us go down to the land of our father's inheritance. For behold, he left gold and silver and all manner of riches. Yes, I remember that in a previous chapter. He left all his gold and silver behind. Yeah, and now they're like, oh, fuck, we might need that. He wasn't really good at planning, was he? Kind of living it day to day. Maybe he had ADHD. Maybe, maybe, or he was just playing out delusional. (laughs) Give this man some vivance. Yep. And all this he hath done because of the commandments of the Lord. For he knew that Jerusalem must be destroyed because of the wickedness of the people. For behold, they have rejected the words of the prophets. How dare they? Wherefore, if my father should dwell in the land after he hath been commanded to flee out of the land, behold, he would also perish. Wherefore, it must needs be that he flee out of the land. What? Does that sentence make sense to you? Of course not. No. It must needs be. Uh, I think I think what he's saying is his dad needed to go. If he hung around, he was going to get killed or some shit. And he was the Lord's favorite. So God was like, get out of here. So yeah, Nephi is like, okay, it must needs be. And he could have just said, my father needed to leave. Again, chink, 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 big arm. Chink, chink, chink. I am not just going to say my father had to leave. I'm going to say my father, chink, chink, chink. Needs be, chink, 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 <laughs> departing, chink, 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 from the land, chink, chink, chink. It'd be really fun to try and just rewrite this chapter in the most efficient way possible and just see what percentage of characters we save. I reckon I could do it in eight lines. Yeah? Let's count them, okay? Look. Nephi and his brothers went back to Jerusalem. They tried to get the plates from Laban. Laban said no. They were angry and about to leave. But Nephi said, no, God has told us to do this. We need to go back. That sounds much clearer. I didn't count how many lines that was, but yes, much shorter My gold plates would have been like just a really light, easy to translate thing. It would have taken a couple of days, done. I think you've out Oliver Cowdery, Oliver Cowdery. Yeah, I mean, that poor guy was having to write all this shit down, not with like a ballpoint point or whatever. They were still using like the quill, (laughs) dip it in ink. And therefore needeth be that he would go on to dip it in ink. It would have taken so fucking long. Use a pen side, sir, Bob. (laughs) 
Anyway, yeah, they were going to be killed if they didn't go back. Right. And behold, it is wisdom in God that we should obtain these records, that we may preserve unto our children the language of our fathers. Well, they didn't do that, did they? No one knows how to speak this fucking language. What's it called again? Reformed Egyptian, but that was what was on the plate. So apparently only Lehi's family knew this language. That is some fucking bullshit. And also that we may preserve unto them the words which have been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets. Prophets. Holy prophets, Batman! And again, this wasn't important enough for them to take when they left the first time. Right. They, they quite willingly left all this shit behind. He even made a note of it <laughs> in the first chapter. You know, we left behind all of our riches, all of our possessions, and now here they are, you know, however long later going, oh shit, we needed those. Which have been delivered unto them by the spirit and power of God since the world began, even down unto this present time. And it came to pass that after this manner of language did I persuade my brethren that they might be faithful in keeping the commandments of God. And it came to pass... Ding! <laughs> that we went down to the land of our inheritance and we did gather together our gold and our silver and our precious things. Oh, he left his precious things behind as well. Yeah, yeah the stuff they purposely left behind the first time. You know, his detachable penis and, and whatever else. Dun, 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 <laughs> Sorry. And after we had gathered these things together, we went up again unto the house of Laban. And it came to pass that we went into... Oh, they're doing that bullshit again. In unto. I just can't get my mouth around it. Ooh, that's what he said. <laughs> and it came to pass that we went in unto Laban and desired him that he would give unto us <laughs> the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass. See, it was sounding so juicy and they just ruined it with those plates of brass. I'll scroll back here now, okay. Chapter 2, verse 4. And it came to pass that he departed into the wilderness, and he left his house, and the land of his inheritance, and his gold, and his silver, and his precious things, and took nothing with him, save it were his family and provisions, and tents, and departed into the wilderness. Why the fuck did he take them then? Why did they have to go back? Think of it, it's like Lord of the Rings. Frodo and the Hobbits left the ring behind, and they went out to go towards Mordor, and they thought, oh, fuck, hang on, we need that ring. <laughs> The rest of the book won't make sense unless we have that. All right, let's go back and grab it. Same thing here. It's like that they went off, they were in the wilderness. Oh, wait, hang on. Nothing else they do is going to make sense unless they have that shit. Send them back. I wonder if there's a Mormon equivalent of Mordor. Maybe it's just called Mormon. <laughs> Mormon! Actually, later on, where the final battle takes place at the end of the book, they say that the Hill Cumorah is the Mormon Mordor. Hmm. Okay. And it came to pass... That when Laban saw our property and that it was exceedingly great, oh, exceedingly great property, oh, he did lust after it. Oh, you know, he lusted after it. Uh. <laughs> in so much that he thrust us out. Yes, lust and thrust in the same chapter. I think he had something on his mind, you know. This, this is getting very Fifty Shades of Grey right now, you know, like... I have a pleasure room. It's full of all this gold and treasure. I lust after it. And I'm going to thrust you in. And sent his servants to slay us. Oh, oh groupie. <laughs> yeah. 
It, this is like a slave master fantasy here. That, yeah, this is Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, they're going to slay, all right. Oh, yeah. That he might obtain our property consensually. Which, considering all the lusting and thrusting, must have been like a giant dildo or something. Oh, look, it must have been made out of gold. That's why they were going back for it. Yeah, I wonder who carved that. Imagine the size of their arm. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? I was going to make it 12 inches, but I'm tired. I think nine's enough. <laughs> I know it's a hard job reading this. I, uh, you know, I admire you and your vocal ability for being able to get through all of this. Oh, thank you, thank you. Maybe one day the church will pay you to do like the audio version. Oh, look, it'd be such an honour. And it came to pass that we did flee before the servants of Laban, and we were obliged to leave behind our property, and it fell into the hands of Laban. Oh, you idiots! They should have joined your sex party. Yeah, it would have been cheaper. Yeah. And it came to pass that we fled into the wilderness and the servants of Laban did not overtake us and we hid ourselves in the cavity of a rock. Again, sounds kinky, but keep going. And it came to pass that Laman was angry with me and also with my father and also with Lemuel, for he hearkened unto the words of Laman. Wherefore, Laman and Lemuel did speak many hard words unto us. (laughs) He gave them the hard word, Paul. (laughs) He did the hard words. Could they be any harder than the words that are trying to make this book? Oh, these fellas are rock hard. Sorry, I'm pouring another glass of wine to help me get through this. (laughs) And they did smite us even with a rod. Oh, I bet they did. Nothing like a little bit of incestuous homoeroticism (laughs) to make your day so much more fulfilling. Oh, my God. Oh, wait, there's a bit more kink coming on. Keep reading. (laughs) Is this Jerusalem or Pornhub? And it came to pass... As they smote us with a rod, behold, an angel of the Lord came and wanted to join in, joke, and stood before them, and he spake unto them, saying, Why do ye smite your younger brother with a rod? (laughs) Know ye not that the Lord hath chosen him to be a ruler over you, and this because of your iniquities? Behold, ye shall go up to Jerusalem again, and the Lord will deliver Laban into your hands. I mean, how fucked up is that? You know, like, <laughs> they're having a nice sex session. An angel comes down and says, hey, hey, yeah, your brother's in charge here. Yeah. You know, the younger brother. The angel came down and swapped the whole sub dynamic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's made Nephi the dominant one. I mean, I guess he's a switch. Uh, maybe. Maybe the angel turned them into switches. Mm. Mm. I wonder which rod the angel grabbed first when he came down. Oh, look, we can only hope he grabbed both of them. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, angels have two hands, don't they? Yeah, yeah, two hands, two holes, it's all the same. And after the angel had spoken unto us, he departed. Oh, oh he, he didn't even stick around for, you know, the cuddling afterwards. Yeah, that's that's a bit rude, isn't it? He eats roots yeah. and leaves. Came in, grabbed the rod, dropped over the dominator and then moved on. <laughs> that asshole. Yeah. 
And after the angel had departed, Laman and Lemuel again began to murmur, saying, How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laban into our hands? Behold, he is a mighty man, and he can command fifty, yea, even he can slay fifty. Then why not us? <laughs> oh my God, they're so thirsty. Mm. We've just finished chapter three. Have you learned anything? Okay, Are you feeling enlightened by what you have read? No. No, I really don't think so. Well, you're not feeling the spirit of the Lord touching your divine rod? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't have uh, the divine rod. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not making you want to grab a divine rod? And it's not really making me want to grab a divine rod either. The Lord would have to give me the ah, divine rod yeah. first. Then he would have to make me be interested in his divine rod. And I, I just don't think I can get it up for it. Uh, okay, okay. I just can't get hard for this story, Paul. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you quite, quite frankly. A little bit too much in the family stuff going on here. i got to say, this chapter was loads better read as a sex story. Mm, yeah, see if we can do that in more books. It might make more sense that way. Oh, I hope so. I mean, at least it did have a little bit of plot, a little bit of conflict, a little bit of resolution. You know, whereas the earlier chapters, they did this, they did that, and that was it. So credit where it's due, they are building a little bit of dramatic tension. Yeah, the earlier chapters had a lot of excitement, but no completion. That's right. They, they didn't carry it to full term. But I mean, this chapter just has jizz everywhere. Yep, yep. They've climaxed and it was good. Yep. So I have a feeling that there's going to be a bit more dramatic tension and climaxing in the next chapter. Well, it seems to be Joseph Smith's thing, so I wouldn't be surprised. So let's wrap it up there, and next week we can get into chapter four. Oh, I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. Which, to memory, is quite a doozy. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with chapter four. Oh, I'm having a look now. I saw the word pharaoh. No spoilers, no spoilers. Save it till next week. I wonder if I'll ever stop being confused by Laman, Laban and Lemuel. If it helps, I don't think Laban lasts beyond chapter four. Yay! Oh no, I just gave away the spoiler. I'm sorry, everybody listening at home. <laughs> but let's face it, Laban in the story is a bad character and we all know in the end the baddies don't live long. Oh. There'll be another baddie at some point in the future. That's how I can remember it. The B in his name is for Bad. Yes. Laban. Laban. Now you're going to be thinking about bad Laban all week. Oh, oh. bad Laban. Oh, Ooh, spite that rod, bad Laban. Is your rod like they say it is? <laughs> It's a mighty rod. <laughs> All right, patients. Well, we've established that we have learnt nothing. Yep. The spirit has not touched our bosoms or rods or whatever else we may have. Whatever we've got in our pants. But on the upside, after a tiring day of work, this has really made me feel refreshed. I've had a nice cold drink of water. I've made fun of some silly words and... I feel like I could just go all night now. Find something else to go all night with, okay? Put the book down. Whatever you choose to do is up to you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. We will uh, wrap that up here, but we will be back next week with Chapter 4. And again, for anyone listening at home, if you want to get involved, we've got the Facebook page. It's up and running. Come and chat there. Give us your thoughts. Have a joke with us. Uh, once again, if you are listening to this and you are a Mormon, I don't know how you've managed to listen this far, quite frankly. I give you kudos for that, but if you wish to send any hate mail, send it to me. I'm prepared to take it. Fan mail can go to patience. Until next week, amen, brothers and sisters. Oh, amen, brother.